Good morning, friends. Today is June 15th, 2020. It's a Monday. Our readings for today are Psalm 80, Numbers 9, 15 through 23, and 10, 29 through 36. Romans 1, 1 through 15, and the Gospel of Matthew 17, 14 through 21. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our heavenly Creator, to set forth God's praise, to hear God's holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. God of all mercy, we confess that we have sinned against you, opposing your will in our lives. We have denied your goodness in each other, in ourselves, and in the world you have created. We repent of the evil that enslaves us, the evil we have done, and the evil done on our behalf. Forgive, restore, and strengthen us through our Savior Jesus Christ, that we may abide in your love and serve only your will. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Psalm 80 Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim. Shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors. Our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea, and its shoots to the river. Why, then, have you broken down its walls, so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it, and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted. They have burned it with fire. They have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your countenance. 
but let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine, that we may be saved. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Numbers, chapter 9, verses 15 through 23, and chapter 10, verses 29 through 36. On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant, and from evening until morning it was over the tabernacle, having the appearance of fire. It was always so, the cloud covered it by day, and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, then the Israelites would set out, and in the place where the cloud settled down, there the Israelites would camp. At the command of God, the Israelites would set out, and at the command of God, they would camp. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they would remain in camp. Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the Israelites would keep the charge of God and would not set out. Sometimes the cloud would remain a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of God, they would remain in camp. Then, according to the command of God, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud would remain from evening until morning, and when the cloud lifted in the morning, they would set out, or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they would set out. Whether it was two days or a month or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, resting upon it, the Israelites would remain in camp and would not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the command of God, they would camp, and at the command of God, they would set out. They kept the charge of God at the command of God by Moses. Moses said to Hobab, son of Ruel the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, We are setting out for the place of which God said, I will give it to you. Come with us, and we will treat you well, for God has promised good to Israel. But he said to him, I will not go but I will go back to my own land and to my kindred. He said, Do not leave us, for you know where we should camp in the wilderness, and you will serve as eyes for us. Moreover, if you go with us, whatever good God does for us, the same we will do for you. So they set out from the mount of God three days' journey, with the ark of the covenant of God going before them three days' journey, to seek out a resting place for them the cloud of God being over them by day when they set out from the camp. Wherever the ark set out, Moses would say, Arise, O God, let your enemies be scattered and your foes flee before you. And whenever it came to rest, he would say, Return, O God of the ten thousand thousands of Israel. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle 11, the third song of Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of God has dawned upon you. For behold, darkness covers the land, deep gloom enshrouds the peoples. But over you God will rise, and God's glory will appear upon you. Nations will stream to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawning. Your gates will always be open, 
By day or night they will never be shut. They will call you the city of God, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Violence will no more be heard in your land, ruin or destruction within your borders. You will call your walls salvation and all your portals praise. The sun will no more be your light by day. By night you will not need the brightness of the moon. God will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Romans, chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which God promised beforehand through God's prophets and the holy scriptures, the gospel concerning Jesus Christ, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Savior, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of Christ's name, including yourselves who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, and our Savior Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed throughout the world. For God, whom I serve with my spirit by announcing the gospel of their Son, is my witness that without ceasing I remember you always in my prayers, asking that by God's will I may somehow at last succeed in coming to you. For I am longing to see you, so that I may share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, or rather so that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as I have among the rest of the Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Hence my eagerness to proclaim the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle Q, a song of Christ's goodness. Jesus, as a mother, you gather your people to you. You are gentle with us as a mother with her children. Often you weep over our sins and our pride. Tenderly, you draw us from hatred and judgment. You comfort us in sorrow and bind up our wounds. In sickness, you nurse us, and with pure milk, you feed us. Jesus, by your dying, we are born to new life. By your anguish and labor, we come forth in joy. Despair turns to hope through your sweet goodness. Through your gentleness, we find comfort in fear. Your warmth gives life to the dead. Your touch makes sinners righteous. Lord Jesus, in your mercy, heal us. 
In your love and tenderness, remake us. In your compassion, bring grace and forgiveness. For the beauty of heaven, may your love prepare us. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Matthew, chapter 17, verses 14 through 21. When they came to the crowd, a man came to him, knelt before him, and said, God, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, and he suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was cured instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly, I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Jesus Christ. Let us affirm our faith together. We believe in God, the nurturer and teacher, from whom is named every family in heaven and on earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, begotten of divine love, who lives in our hearts through faith and fills us with that love. We believe in God, the Holy Spirit. She strengthens us with power from on high. We believe in one God, source of all being, love incarnate, spirit of truth. Amen. Hear our cry, O God, and listen to our prayer. Let us pray. Our Creator in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your dominion come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the sovereignty, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We'll use Suffrages Set A, found in the Book of Common Prayer on page 97. Show us your mercy, O God, and grant us your salvation. Clothe your ministers with righteousness. Let your people sing with joy. Give peace, O God, in all the world, for only in you can we live in safety. God, keep this nation under your care. Keep all nations under your care. Guide us in the way of justice and truth. Let your way be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. Let not the needy, O God, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and sustain us with your Holy Spirit.
Keep, O God, your household, the church, and your steadfast faith and love, that through your grace we may proclaim your truth with boldness and minister your justice with compassion for the sake of our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O God, Sovereign Eternal, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires, incline our hearts to keep your law, and guide our feet into the way of peace, that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when night comes, rejoice to give you thanks, through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you is eternal life and to serve you is perfect freedom. Defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries. Through the might of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Lord God Almighty, you have made all the peoples of the earth for your glory, to serve you in freedom and in peace. Give to the people our country a zeal for justice and the strength of forbearance, that we may use our liberty in accordance with your gracious will. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Creator, giver of life and health, comfort and relieve your sick servants and give your power of healing to those who minister to their needs or to those who suffer because of their wounding. That those for whom our prayers are offered may be strengthened in their weakness, may be healed and have confidence not in the powers of the earth, not in the principalities, but in your loving care. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Almighty God, who created us in your own image, grant us grace fearlessly to contend against evil and to make no peace with oppression, and that we may reverently use our freedom. Help us to employ it in the maintenance of justice, nay, not just the maintenance, but the bringing of justice where there was none, the bringing of justice where there has been injustice, the bringing of freedom where there has been captivity, the bringing of your love where there has been the reigning of powers and principalities in our communities, and among the nations. To the glory of your holy name, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
Now is the time when I usually share a few thoughts on the readings. And I've got also on my mind, you know, as I was reading the collects just now, that last one, um, Collect 21 for Social Justice, um, it can be found among the contemporary collects on page 260. To me, that phrase, the maintenance of justice, speaks to, and I, I say this, I, I'm trying not to say this with disrespect, but it, it speaks to the hopeful ignorance, the well-intentioned ignorance. I think, they're, I think they're all different kinds of ignorance, but the fact that the writers of our beautiful liturgy, our liturgy that I find beautiful and an opening of the door to holiness, um, would write that justice be maintained. I think they, don't, they didn't understand. They were ignorant of the fact that there is still so much injustice there's so much injustice, and, and that's a very painful part of the awakening that we're undergoing. It was a painful shock. It's been many painful shocks to me, and I feel the emotions well up now even as I think about it. I'm not wallowing in this pain, but I am allowing myself to feel it. I'm not pushing it away. I'm walking toward it, hand in God's, trusting that God will see me through this fire. I used to talk about my evolution from victim to survivor to warrior is the way I put it. And one of the things that I said in my own path distinguished the transition from, from survivor to warrior was the being willing to go back and walk with someone else through the fire. That once we know that we get to the other side without being destroyed, we get to the other side and what burns off is the dross, I think is the way I, I used to put it. Not that it doesn't still apply. I believe that it does. But what burned off was the dross and you were purified and refined by the fire when you walked through it with God. And so to me, it's particularly poignant that here we are in the season of Pentecost when the holy fire came, when tongues of flame leapt above the apostles' heads, when the gift of communication, as I think of it, was given to them when they spoke in languages not their own and understood in languages not their own. I pray that this comes to us now, that, that this time that feels like a fire burning be a holy fire. And I'm not the only one that said that. Um, and to me, there's no, there's no ownership in epiphany or in 
um, awakening or revelation or realization. So, you know, I, I thought this and then to me, when I then read it other places, it's confirmed. It's not like, hey, I had that original thought first. No, it helps me know that, yes, this is from the Holy Spirit. This is not just something I've made up in my own mind. But we have to be careful about that because, as my son Jack would say, the only places we're visiting are our own echo chambers. Of course we're going to hear our own thoughts echoed back at us. Um, so we have to do with discernment, look at the sources too, right? And it's nothing is, nothing is an absolute. And I know that's frustrating, but our reading from numbers where, um, the presence of God has the appearance of fire over the tabernacle to me is another confirmation that God is present for us in this in this current fire that we're experiencing right now um, as the world burns. I read this morning too, I was reading a little in Glennon Doyle's book, <clears throat> Untamed, and um, the section I was reading was from Key four, build and burn, let it burn. Um, So starting on page 73 of her book, Untamed. So that's Glennon Doyle's Untamed. I want to be sure to give credit where credit is due. Um, And I'm going to start a couple sentences in. Here's the rub. Destruction is essential to construction. If we want to build the new, we must be willing to let the old burn. We must be committed to holding on to nothing but the truth. We must decide that if the truth inside us can burn a belief, a family structure, a business, a religion, an industry, it should have become ashes yesterday. If we feel, know, and imagine our lives, families, and world become truer versions of themselves, eventually, but at first it's very scary, because once we feel, know, and dare to imagine more for ourselves, we cannot unfeel, unknow, or unimagine. There is no going back. We are launched into the abyss, the space between the not true enough life we're living and the truer one that exists only inside us. So we say, maybe it's safer to just stay here. Even if it's not true enough, maybe it's good enough. But good enough is what makes people drink too much and snark too much and become bitter and sick and live in quiet desperation until they lie on their deathbed and wonder what kind of life, relationship, family, world might I have created if I'd been braver. The building of the true and beautiful means the destruction of the good enough. And I have to say here that the status quo was only good enough for some of us. For, for others, it, it's never been good enough. 
for our black siblings, it's never been good enough. But I feel Glennon's words is a cry to me in my whiteness. And, and what's funny is my son is so tender and so kind in his heart of hearts and his authentic self that he feels ashamed of his whiteness. And one of the things that we've talked about is that being born into whiteness and into a culture that prizes whiteness, it becomes our responsibility to use the power that we currently have to empower others. He feels the same way about being male in a culture that values maleness and he struggles with the secondary inference there that the particular masculinity value by our culture is toxic and he finds himself at the tender age of 14 having to unpack some of what Glennon calls in her book the memos that he received and took to heart he's 14 And he's already living his life around those memos. He's living his life around those false things. And that is with a mother who has has done her best to raise him in the way of love. So I think that right now we all just need to take a second and have some compassion with ourselves and realize that There are all kinds of things that we accepted as truth that aren't. They're false and they need to burn. The idea that everything was okay, that we had reached an an egalitarian society, that people have equal rights, that people are treated equally, that... The people have not just equal rights, but equal opportunities, equal chances. We've got a few really good news stories about a black kid from the hood who became somebody famous. And we keep telling those stories. We keep using those tropes to tell ourselves that everything is okay. And it's really scary to think about it not being okay. But the real truth, the capital T truth, is that it's not okay. And it needs to burn. And I don't want to clint. I don't believe it's, it's the way of love to quench the flames and salvage the structures. I really honestly believe it resonates through the deepest core of my being that we need to fan the flames. We need to let the structures burn. We need to invite God to make this a holy fire. This is, I think, the ultimate, maybe I'm being too too extreme in my language, but But I feel that strongly about it, that this is, 
This is the epitome of God taking what the enemy meant for evil and using it for good. When George Floyd was martyred, that was the enemy. That was evil incarnate. That was the whole system brought to bear on the neck of one man. And now, in and through and with all of the voices, all of the people that are rising up and saying no more, God is fanning the flames. This is becoming a holy fire. Friends, I know it is so frightening when we cannot yet see what is on the other side of the flames. But I believe that if you look back at your life, you will see a time when God brought you through the flame and what God built with and inside you was better. was truer. It wasn't perfect. Nothing is, but it was one step closer. It was holy evolution. So I'm going to read you as I think I have before a prayer that Nadia Bowles Weber, the sarcastic Lutheran, (laughs) wrote on Pentecost, and I want to make sure I give her credit, and it came in her newsletter, The Corners, and I think she also posted it elsewhere. God, whose name has been used to enslave those who bear your image. God, whose name has been used to steal this land and kill those who bear your image. God, whose name was called upon by Moses and Miriam and Martin Luther King Jr. and Sojourner Truth, Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. God, who raised up prophets to speak truth to power and poets to speak truth to stupid. We call on your holy name to give us what we need to undo what has been done in your name. We call upon your name to bring your fierce mercy upon us and remove our complacency and our complicity. We call on your name to heal the wounds of those whose daily reality we do not understand. We call on your name to give us a holy curiosity about what being black in America is really like, Lord. We call on your name to free us from our cherished notions of being good that keep us from hearing this truth. We call on your name to give us this day our daily truth, our daily humility, our daily rage, our daily hope. This country is burning, Lord. May it be a cleansing Holy Spirit fire. Guide us to believe that the true name of God is stronger than what has been done in God's name. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. So we let the Holy Spirit come, friends. We let this fire be a cleansing fire. We 
burn everything that needs to burn. And as we've been saying and praying and working towards, may we continue to focus our energies of prayer and action toward the rebuilding of something new. That on the other side of this, when we get there, we are not there yet. But when we are done burning down the powers and principalities, the sick structures, that what we build on the other side, we build together. You, me, all of our siblings, black, white, brown, all of the rainbow, all of us together with the Holy Spirit, may we build something new. I think even as we are in this burning place, we can pray forward into what comes after. And I think as the Gospel of Matthew today reminds us that even the little bit, littlest bit of faith will carry us through, will move the mountains of injustice that stand in our way. I used to read this section and feel ashamed, feel like it was my fault that my prayers weren't working, that things weren't changing because I didn't have enough faith. And today I choose to read it differently. I choose to see hope here instead of shame. Shame is useless. We have enough shame in this world and so just as Jesus cast out the demon, I cast out shame. I give all the shame that I've carried around that kept me from prayer and faith and action to Jesus to heal, to reconcile, to transform. May prayer and art and conversation and love and awareness all be conduits to the transubstantiation. The holy changing of where we are and what we have into who we will be and what we will have together in freedom and in love. As it says elsewhere in our scripture, God, I believe, help my unbelief. So here today I say, God, I have faith, help my lack of faith. In the midst of this cleansing fire, Kindle within me the spark of hope. Grow within me 
a little shoot of faith. As we move from the season of spiritual winter into a spiritual spring, as we are shocked by the sudden fire, the fire that felt sudden, burning off all the snow, May we start new. In the bare place that the fire has swept through, may the shoots of faith appear. May the tiny green leaves bring hope and faith to our hearts. God be with us, guide us, use this fire to burn what needs to burn, and in your great love, begin to grow what needs to grow, destroy what needs to be destroyed, and may we, with you, co-create what needs to be born what needs to begin. Amen. Let's use as our prayer for mission the prayer attributed to St. Francis. God, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Almighty God, giver of all mercies, we, your humble co-creators, give you thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to, all, to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all, for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by our Savior, Jesus Christ for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And, we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. 
Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation in the church, and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen.